Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, I want to check in with you and see how the Magic 30 FOMO was this weekend, because I had a bad <laughs> case of it. It's it's a very interesting question. I definitely had a bad case of it, for sure. And it definitely seemed like a sweet event. But also, a lot of it seemed like people just being like, well, we can't get into the convention center so I guess we're just drafting outside. Yeah, I absolutely was seriously wanting to be there. We had semi-state marching band competition, which went very well for our band. Nice. Due to weird rules, we're not really allowed to announce placings, but we may or may not have done the best it is possible to do. So, whoa, yeah, going to be competing for a state championship this coming weekend. Unreal. That's that's my guy. Yeah. But while I was a band, I was furiously on Twitter during the downtime looking enviously at all the sweet stuff that was going on at Magic 30. I wish we could have been down there and I hope everybody that was down there or made the trek had a great time and hopefully we'll meet you all at the next one. Absolutely. It was like watching, I don't know, a Twitch stream crossover episode event. I was like, these two people in the same place together? These two people? <laughs> it, was, it was wild. Very, very fun for sure. But today, it's time for previews, bro. We're here at 8.20 p.m. on Monday night. And I'm honestly, I mean, I'm not happy that we're here. I'm, of course, happy to be here talking with Ben about magic. But, you know, it's a little later than I, I would like to be at work, quote unquote. But uh, I'm glad we waited a day because, boy, howdy, were there a ton of previews dropped today. Yeah, previews, bro, happened today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, previews, bro, happened today. Because usually we get like a trickle of commons and uncommons. We usually are able to talk about every single card that's been previewed for limited, every common or uncommon has been previewed by the time we release this kind of episode. We're not going to be able to do that today. Too many cards got dumped today um, before the full set drops later this week. And then we've got the paper release the following week. And then we'll have the online release the following week. So we got uh, got a nice uh, change of pace here. And we're going to be talking about a ton of cards. So we don't have much time to waste. We've got a lot of mechanics to chat about. We've got archetypes to outline. We've got a ton of cards to wheel and deal about. So we're going to dive into that just after a few housekeeping things. First things first, I want to chat about the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited. It's where folks can go to give back to the show if you so choose. You know, I'm sure if you listen to any uh, amount of Magic podcasts, everybody's got a Patreon out there. So this is the way for people who do this sort of weekly creations um, to be supported by their listener base, their fan base, um, but certainly listener base for us. Um, and we like to give folks things back, you know, just like PBS giving everybody a tote bag. We're here to give you some sweet <laughs> stuff along the uh, the tier rewards. And I think uh, I think the Lord's Limited Discord is better than a tote bag, dare I say. Um, it is 24-7 limited tech support with like-minded limited individuals out there just like you. And we always say it when a new set rolls around, new set season is exactly the time to get in on the Discord. Um, so we, we really highly recommend that. And then, of course, a lot of really great stuff as you move up the rewards tiers usually folks get access to the show a day in advance but they will not they'll be getting it just like the rest of the plebs out there as soon as i finish editing once we're done recording but usually folks can get access to that early and just a lot of other great perks over at the patreon page so if that sounds like something that's of interest to you head on over there and check it out and we also want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they join so this week we are welcoming luca desdenova malcolm paul vin eric Kyle, Joel, Henry, and Thomas. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough and also cannot say how awesome the Discord is in the first week or two of a new format. If you want to get better at magic and you want to see what it's like being part of like a 800 person testing team that's trying to figure <laughs> things out, you need to hop on in the Lords of Limited Discord. Amen. Show is also brought to you by TCG Player. Great place to go for anything and everything you need magic related. TCGplayer.com. Big thing we want to shout out is TCG Player subscriptions. 
lessons for $6.99 a month. And that comes with a lot of stuff, including free shipping and tracking and all your orders from TCG Player, extra bonus bucks. But more importantly for us, all of the things that were on CFB Pro and all the future articles we're writing for CFB Pro, you get access to now through the TCG Player subscription. So if you used to have a CFB Pro subscription and you want continued access to those articles, you're going to want to get a TCG Player subscription. You still can't get them internationally, which is kind of a drag, but they're working on that. And as soon as they have an update on that, we will let you all know. But in addition to that, if you are maybe international and want to get some other stuff, you can pre-order Brothers War sealed product that is just around the corner. So maybe you want to pick up a booster box or two to stash to draft down the road. Looks like the format's going to be sweet from the previews I've seen so far. So for anything you do over at TCG Player, we have an affiliate link now. That's the way that we do things over there. So if you go to tcgplayer.com slash Lords of Limited, that will take you to our affiliate link. And then anything you do or purchase on the website will get tracked and help us out. Or if you forget that, you can just go to our website, click support, and then navigate that way through links to the TCG Player affiliate website. So please take the time to do that. We would really appreciate your support in that regard. All right, let's dive into this new set. But before we do, I was happily reminded by someone in the Discord that I made this mention at the start of Dominaria United. I was like, I think it might be good for us to revisit the grading scale. And someone in the Discord did remind me. They pinged me a couple weeks ago. I was like, yes, thank you. I did forget that. And this was really just... I want to try and avoid the conversation that we seem to have every time we do the Crash Course episode, which is invariably we get to a point where we're discussing, you know, whatever, C grade or D grade cards, depending on who you ask. And we're both like, yeah, this card stinks. It's a D. Yeah, this card stinks. It's a C. Like, and I'm just wondering if there's anything we need to do to hash this out or, or get on the same page to avoid that conversation next week. Yeah, I think this is usually my fault. I have a few things here. <laughs> One, okay. I am usually the person that's like, yes, this is a C. It's terrible. I'm never putting it in my deck. But I think some of that for me is a holdover from learning quadrant theory and grading things according to quadrant theory, right? So like a five mana four, four is a C to me, like that's fine in developing parity, like it's a magic card that you can attack and block with. And I think rather than looking at things through the lens of quadrant theory, which is really good, if you've never heard of quadrant theory, you need to check it out on limited resources, it's a huge level up in card evaluation. But I think personally, as a magic player, I have that in my toolbox, and I need to kind of look beyond that a little bit now. So mm-hmm. I think for us personally and our audience, I think C's need to be cards that we are expecting to play in archetypes. And I think D's need to be cards that we're hoping to not play. Like I think I need to be yes. more critical of just cards that do things are not C's. Like those are filler to me. Like a five mana four four is filler. And we have filler under the definition of C. But I think moving forward, we probably need to try to on C's say, this is a card I expect to play and this is the deck I expect to play it in that type of thing. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I think that's good. I think let's I think next week we should retool slightly our definitions of C's and D's. And that was going to be my exact definition of a D is like it's just a card that I don't care if it makes my deck or not. Like I'm hoping it doesn't. If it does, it's fine. Like they don't make strictly unplayable cards hardly at all anymore. Like everything has a niche home or a bad home or whatever. And so I think it's about differentiating that. And so yeah, C's and then variations in those, right? C's, C pluses, C minuses, whatever, are cards that go into a deck. They're they're uh, you know above replacement to some extent in my mind. Yes, they're a mainstay of an archetype, a card that you would expect to on average be including in a deck. 
Great. Well, I think that sounds like a point for me. I think so, too. I said it was my fault. (laughs) I know. I just wanted to really, really hammer it home. All right, Ben, let's dive right in. We got a ton of stuff to talk about with Brothers War coming out. Let's start with the new mechanics. And these mechanics look sick. They're so good. Prototype especially just was really the first time I read it. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. This seems like an awesome mechanic for the set. So speaking of prototype is a new ability word that's going to be found on artifact creatures. This is an alternate mana cost that also gives you an alternate power and toughness. So if you cast a prototype spell using the prototype ability, it's going to keep those alternate characteristics until it leaves the battlefield. So for example, we've got a mythic rare here, and this is about the only time we'll be talking about non-commons or uncommons. We've got Phyrexian Flesh Gorger, seven mana for a seven five mythic rare with menace and lifelink, and it has ward pay life equal to Phyrexian Flesh Gorger's power, woof. So if you want to target this thing and you're the opponent, got to pay seven mana for it, or it's basically a split card. It has this prototype text and casting cost for one black black as just a 3-3. So you can pay seven generic mana for the 7-5 Menace Lifelink or one black black for a 3-3 Menace Lifelink and then has that same ward text. And I believe all of these, or at least all of these we've seen so far, are in this fashion of big colorless cost or the prototype cost is smaller and color oriented. Right. But there's still going to be artifacts, even though you're paying a colored cost for the prototype. Correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. This is just like reverse kicker, but it's so flavorfully reverse kicker, right? So instead of like kicker tacking on bigger stuff, you get the big thing up front and then prototype is like a cheaper way to cast it earlier, but it makes so much sense with machines. I was like, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool. And like, I mean, yeah, this is like sort of the thing where I guess you could, yeah, this just has so many implications for maybe you cast the smaller half and then it dies and then there are some reanimate cards that we're going to get to and then you can reanimate this and it comes back as the big chunky thing um and these are all the way down to commons as we'll get to a little later in the show right or heaven forbid we haven't seen one of these yet but if there's a blink effect you prototype I, it blink it it comes back as the big boy Whoo, I buddy. Got, i've got to imagine that there isn't <laughs> for that very reason but maybe there is maybe they just don't care about us limited players getting savaged the other new mechanic that we have and i guess this was sort of teased with uh the car and planeswalker and dominaria united We've got a new kind of artifact token in Power Stones. So these are a new kind of predefined token type joining the list of treasures, food, clues, blood. So this is like another thing. These are artifacts with tap, add, colorless. This mana can't be spent to cast a non-artifact spell. If you didn't play with Karn, if you subscribed to the incorrect school of thought (laughs) of this card is not good for limited, then maybe you have not use the power stones because I think you read that text of the mana can't be spent to cast a non-artifact spell. So great. It can only be used. It's a clunky way of saying can be only used to cast an artifact spell, but oh no, 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 that's not true. It just can't be used to cast non-artifact spells. It can be used for activated abilities across the board. There are going to be many applications for this mana. We're going to see a, a, Urza takes the form of an uncommon looter that costs a mana. And then when you discard an artifact, I believe you get a power stone token that's tapped. And then you can just use that first power stone to activate Urza on subsequent turns. So it doesn't have to be just for casting artifacts. Absolutely. And I think these are just going to be another resource that are going to be on the battlefield to be sacrificed for things that want you to sacrifice an artifact. They're just going to be free value everywhere. They seem super powerful. So for example, we've got a card called Splitting the Power Stone. It says two blue for a sorcery as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice an artifact, presumably a power stone flavorfully, but it wouldn't have mm-hmm. to be necessarily. And then you create two tapped power stone tokens. If the sacrificed artifact was legendary, you draw a card, probably not super relevant for limited, but then you 
turn one power stone into two ramping love that yeah or just like i mean i'm sure we're gonna see some like you know can tripping cheap artifacts like a prophetic prism type deal you know something that comes into play is innocuous or you know there's unearth there's there's a lot of stuff i mean even just thinking about how power stones and prototype interact because i I was i'm having such a hard time I, i messaged you right before we we got on our our call here to to do the episode, I messaged you. I was like, this this is such a hard set to evaluate, certainly in the stage that we are now in terms of, you know, we don't even have the full scope of all the cards yet. But even with that, like before playing with decks of these cards and seeing what archetypes emerge and what cards you want in each of those archetypes, etc. It's really hard to look at these like 10 mana clunky artifacts <laughs> and these three, these like mana rocks that come into play tapped that all these cards make. And you can think like, well, I, like how likely is it for me to be casting nine mana, 10 mana artifacts in limited? Oh, stop playing Koi. You're going to be casting nine and 10 mana, nine nines and 10 tens. Well, certainly what I've learned <laughs> from many, many years of, of doing content is trust R&D. You know, when they're coming out with prototype and uh, power stones, like they're going to work. All right. It's very rare that the like sets headliner mechanics don't work. And so that's cool. But like understanding the mixture of those, like how many power stones does that cause you to like cheat on lands in your deck? Like how, what are the, the prototype things that you're fine casting for nine mana? How many of those can you include? Like there are so many questions that we just don't have the answers to yet before we start playing with the cards that's making me very excited but also making me like i don't need i don't want every answer to the cards we talk about today for me to be like i don't know it depends (laughs) well i mean that could be the mark of a good format i certainly cheating on lands was not on my radar and i would be shocked if that were the case power stones just seem like they're going to be extra ramp and extra places to help you put mana places yeah i mean does does that make like there's like a talarian scholar variant i don't know if we're talking about it but there's a card that's two in a blue for a two three and then has an activated ability of just seven colorless draw two cards Cards, which that just looks like, yeah, maybe you activate that once in a game. But are mana sinks going to be so abundant that you will always have places to put your power stone mana? Or is a mana sink like that kind of, you know, unique and it's going to be desirable depending on how power stone you are? I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to see. All right, we've got some returning mechanics as well. First up is Unearth, which is an activated ability that says return this card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste and then you exile it at the beginning of the next end step or if it would leave the battlefield and then you unearth earth only as a sorcery this previously only allowed creatures to return to the battlefield but now there's also going to be non-creature artifacts that have on earth as well however most of the cards in the set that have on earth are artifact creatures such as ashnod's harvester this is two mana for a three one artifact creature construct and whenever it attacks you exile target card from a graveyard and it's got unearth for one and a black do you know how excited I am for Unearth? I mean, you know that there's nothing. I think the thing that I like the most in Limited is sacrificing things for value. You already pegged what my most drafted common is going to be, which I feel a little seen by, and we'll talk about that card later. But like, Unearth is so sweet. I would characterize it more as you love doing large amounts of work to get medium <laughs> amounts of value. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to create like an engine and then be like, look at what I've created. Yes. I generate a one, two every turn. Absolutely. That's what you love. All right. Next up, we've got meld as our other returning mechanic. This is a mechanic that allows specific pairs of cards called meld pairs to combine into a single giant permanent. So we've had this before. This is not 
usually going to be relevant for limited. Although I right. did the first time Meld was around, made the giant mythic angel of the pre-release. Sick brags. Oh wow, was that Gisela? Something that right? broken. Yeah, yeah, it was like a mythic yeah. rare angel and a rare angel that I had in my mm-hmm. same pool. It was very satisfying. Uh, but there are three Meld pairs in Brothers War: Urza, Mishra, and Titania. And one card in each Meld pair tells you exactly how to meld the other two. I don't think we really need to go into this on the podcast. No, I don't think so. Maybe maybe we'll talk about it later on uh, in a few weeks when when one of us gets to assemble this sweet thing. The last thing we want to talk about before we dive into the archetypes is draft booster contents. So when was the last time we had something like this? This Mystical Archive in Strixhaven, right? Yeah, that's what I think so. So Mystical Archive in Strixhaven had like an additional, I guess, what was it, rare or uncommon? That was a, a, These are reprints, and these were those were instants or sorceries, because Strixhaven was all about spells and lesson learn and yada yada. Well, in Brothers War, what better time to go back to some oldies but goodies in terms of artifacts? And that's exactly what we're going to get here, which I don't quite know what that's going to look like for the boosters on like Arena or MTGO. Did they say already? Yeah, they've announced that. So every draft booster is going to have a retro artifact. And then some amount of those retro artifacts are going to have schematic art, which is just like an alternate art for these old school artifacts that are coming back. So you're going to get the fancy art in one in every six boosters, but every booster is going to have one of the retro artifacts. So I assume there's just going to be a dedicated slot in every pack to one of these retro artifacts. Awesome. I think this was a net positive in Strixhaven. I think it'll be interesting to see how it works here with them being colorless. Like, I wonder if that's going to sort of feel like there's just, I haven't seen the full list of these, but I do believe it's out um, as of today. And I wonder if, are some of them just going to be like, these are just better than every card in the set or better than every, you know, card in the set, given that it's colorless. And so you just take it first. Is that going to lead to feel bads? Who knows? But I think this was generally a net positive last time we saw it. Yeah, this seems sweet. I'm going to be very salty the first time I lose to Worm Coil Engine, but I have been salivating oh, over God. some of these retro artifacts. Worm Coil Engine is one of them. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Big yikes. All right. So Watsi has draft a label for each of the 10 color pairs as archetypes. And I, I am, I mean, this is just going to be, I think, a little loosey goosey because with these colorless sets, things tend to overlap so much, you know? Yeah, I think certainly. But these will point you in a direction. I hope so. Yeah. So what do we got first? First up is blue white soldiers, which the tagline is overwhelm your opponent on the ground and in the skies. Blue white aggro. You love to see it. No cards yet that really point to that archetype specifically. I haven't seen like, you know, the signpost gold on common, etc. Next up, we have white black scrappy swarm. That sounds like something I would name an archetype. Uh, creatures with mana value three or less offer more than you might expect. So we got a really cool card here in Recruitment Officer that points towards this. This is a single white for a 2-1 human soldier at Uncommon. And you can pay three and a white to look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card with mana value three or less from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Wow. Yeah, certainly this seems like if there's going to be mana sinks, maybe you got some power stones lying around, you can actually do this to generate some value. Most of your things are mana value three or less. And it's also going to be just a one mana two one, which is going to get you off to a fast start. If people are trying to play some battle cruiser magic, you know, with their 10 mana 10 tens or whatever, you can put the pressure on early. Yeah. I mean, already we see a little overlap there. And this is a soldier. If blue white is doing, you know, blue white soldiers, this is white black scrappy. This could be a glue piece between them, etc. Next up, we've got blue black draw power, which says draw a multitude of cards from your deck to strengthen your creatures. So first up here, we've got Thopter mechanic, one in a blue for two one. 
When you draw your second card each turn, put a plus one plus one counter on Thopter Mechanic. And when then Thopter Mechanic dies, create a one one colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. So it seems like blue black is going to be the draw two archetype mm. that we saw in blue red from Eldraine. Yeah. And then they've got a common here, Latnam Adept, which is three and a blue for a three three. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, put a plus one plus one counter on Latnam Adept. I feel like that's more pointing to the mechanic rather than this actually being a good card. This seems, that seems like whatever. What do you think about Thopter Mechanic? Like, you know, it's a fairy vandal variant, right? Fairy vandal being the flash two mana one two with flying that has the like, you know, you get the counter when you draw your second card. This is a two one doesn't have flying, but then dies into a one one. I mean, it's obviously worse than vandal, right? Yeah, significantly less good than fairy vandal, especially because it's a two one. So it's going to trade down on attacks. But I mean, you get the one one thopter. This is a good card. I don't know if it's a reason to steer hard into this archetype, but certainly if you were in the archetype, you're never cutting a copy of this card. Yeah. So the draw two life living with blue black and here because blue red is prowess aggro hello use cheap artifacts instants and sorcery spells to press their advantage they revealed the signpost uncommon today and boy howdy is it a doozy third path iconoclast blue red for a 2-1 human monk whenever you cast a non-creature spell create a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token yeah the fact that those tokens are artifacts also i assume is going to be synergistic especially because red black up next is red black artifact sacrifice which is use power stones to be sacrificed for more power but maybe there's going to be some grixis stew where you're like also sacrificing these one ones that you make with third path iconoclast who knows we haven't seen all the sacrifice outlets yet i I, that's it if you're at my table if you see lord tupperware in your arena (laughs) table that's you can be guaranteed that's the archetype i'll be drafting this is the real reason we started the podcast just to be able to bully people out of our lanes before the draft format even starts trick listeners into doing drafting yosha declares war that's my goal is just tanking people's win rate (laughs) next up we have green black graveyard counter which is creatures that rely on a populated graveyard will gain power in the late game so for example we have battlefield butcher it's two and a black for a one four and you can pay five tap to have each opponent lose two life but the ability costs one less to activate for each creature card in your graveyard. And we'll also see a little later when we get to removal, black has a common removal spell. Looks like the sort of generically like big clunky removal spell, five mana, kill a thing at instant speed, but costs one less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. If you get that down to to three, two, one even, that's pretty sweet. It also, though, seems like black has a stuff leaving the graveyard theme from a couple cards I've seen. So there could be some tension there between green black wanting things in the graveyard to power up your other cards but also there's cards in black that pay you off for things leaving the graveyard Mm -hmm. and unearth is sort of like puts some tension there as well because you want those creatures to be able to be unearthed right you want to have them leave the graveyard at some point but then they're not coming back they'll be exiled next up we've got red green mechanized stompy which says (laughs) use power stones to deploy your biggest threats and back them up with power boosting spells So, for example, we've got Arbalest Engineers. This is one red-green for a 2-2. When it ETBs, choose one. Deals one damage to any target. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. It gains trample and haste until end of turn. Or create a tapped Power Stone token. Okay, can we... I should have maybe brought this up when we were talking about Power Stones in general. Like, the the age-old question, the thing we love to ask about when we see these artifact tokens. What fraction of a card is a power stone i think it's almost a whole card it's, they that's seem what very i think good too to me. they seem very good yeah that's what i think too like I, i'm just looking at this that i i wonder what the 
percents are going to be maybe 17 lands will, will check this out at some point like when people cast this what mode are they choosing the most often or like what's the most successful mode to choose and i just look at these and i go eh, nice little value nice little value a full whopping card <laughs> from a power stone token you know i am very high on power stone tokens at the moment me too next up we have red white unearth aggro start your aggression early and the second wave that comes back with unearth may bring you victory we got the signpost uncommon here in phalaji vanguard two red white for a two three human soldier with first strike and whenever it or another creature enters the battlefield under your control target creature gets plus two plus oh until end of turn whoa i mean this is a little understated itself, right? Yes, it's understated itself, but it does help that, so it comes into play, maybe it either, you know, enables an attack with the creature that didn't have an attack or grant, like, you know, it's a four mana, two, three, deal two damage, whatever. But the fact that like all your unearthed creatures, I don't think, I think you're right in in sensing like, this doesn't make me want to draft red, white, beat down, whatever. But I think once I'm like in that aggressive lane, once I have a bunch of unearthers, I'm very happy with this card, I think. Yeah, especially if there's token makers. Like if you can make two yeah. or three creatures in one go, that'd be pretty spicy. Yeah, for sure. All right, next up, we've got Green White, which is Green White Artifacts Enter the Battlefield. It says, assemble your creatures and enhance them with artifacts, then use power stones, soldier tokens, and unearth <laughs> creatures to power your attacks. Seems like we've got a nice, clean, focused archetype here. <laughs> use all the things to do all the things. Okay. So the green-white gold uncommon is Yoshin Dissident. This is green-white for a 1-1 human artificer. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. That I am all about. Yeah, that is wildly powerful, I think. I thought it was, when I I read this like multiple times because I was like, wait, am I sure this doesn't just say itself? Am I sure it doesn't only grow itself? When it doesn't limit it to once per turn, like not only on your turn, whatever, like this is this seems very powerful to me. Yeah. And tokens, too. So Power Stones right. ETBing are going to trigger mm-hmm. this. And there are some cards that want to wear counters that have been previewed already. Yeah. All right. Last archetype is Blue Green Power Stone Ramp, which just says accumulate Power Stones to help build your defense. Turtle up, baby. Shout out to Blue Green. We don't have the Blue Green signpost, but let's chat about Urza Power Stone Prodigy here. Two in a blue for a 1-3 human artificer with vigilance pay one tap draw a card then discard a card and whenever you discard one or more artifact cards create a tapped power stone token this ability triggers only once each turn this card is broken right i think so i mean it should be too right i mean it is the brothers war i think urza and mishra should be pretty broken but mishra is terrible right (laughs) sir please don't talk about three mana red two ones to me like that okay (laughs) (laughs) very offensive yeah, I, I think we're, we're going to get to Mishra later, but I think Urza seems ridiculously powerful. Yeah, at least uh, there's, so there's like, you know, a pair of them at uncommon, rare and mythic rare. I think in terms of the uncommons, Urza definitely has the edge. This is one mana tap, draw a card, discard a card, but you, really you're just kind of drawing a card because the card you discard makes a power stone, which we've which we've already said is going to be pretty close to a card, especially if you're building your deck right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This looks nutter butters to me. I agree. Well, let, that leads us on to our first category of cards to chat about, which is Power Stone Producers. Uh, you know, we chatted about the one that lets you sack an artifact, make two Power Stones. We got Urza. We've also got Stern Lessons. This is two and a blue for an instant at common. It says draw two cards, then discard a card. 
create a tapped Power Stone token. So a little bit of overlap, right, with this is an instant speed way to draw two in one go. So you can do it on your opponent's turn if you're in that blue-black draw two life. You also create a tapped Power Stone token. That seems yeah, great. This, uh, this again seems nutter butters. Like this is <laughs> kind of like divination, except instead of the second card you draw, like you're discarding a card. So you're not technically up cards, but when you discard that card, you get a power stone on the battlefield. And again, if you're building your deck right, I think that power stone is very close, if not just actually a full card, plus a so, card that you're actively interested in drawing, presumably, if you drew your deck right. So you know you're always hitting this power stone off of your pseudo divination. Yeah, it sounds like you and I have the same mindset right now, which means we'll, we'll either both be right or both be terribly wrong. But we have the same mindset of like, like I just want all of my decks to make power stones busted because I don't think inherently, you know, any deck you draft, Ben keeps saying that the correct caveat of if you draft your deck correctly, which I think means prioritizing colorless spells so or and or mana sinks so that these power stones are as close to just straight up mana rocks as possible. But if you do that, you're going to bury your opponent in mana advantages. I just am so stoked about power stones. Well, I, I think that'll be interesting. I, I, my assumption is, and maybe it won't ever balance out, but it, it's it's feeling a little bit to me like decayed tokens from um, Midnight Hunt of like, what happened was there was this initial wave of the people who got how good decayed tokens were really got it and really pressed that advantage. And then eventually the rest of the draft world caught up. And I wonder if that'll be a similar thing that happens here with Power Stones. I am at least as high on Power Stones as I was on Decayed Zombies, and I was very high on Decayed Zombies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Next up, we've got Argothian Opportunist. This is 2G for 3-2 and ETBs. You make a tapped Power Stone token. This also just seems broken to me. I, I agree. I just I'm like, OK, so is this just the best green common? Is this just <laughs> the best common? Like what? This it is almost, just this feels like two cards. It me. almost has to be. This is either three mana, three, two, draw a card and cast it like mm -hmm. you're essentially drawing a mana lith and casting it. Now, granted, it only makes colorless, not mana of any color, but three mana mana rock that ramps you for free. All right. How about this next one? We got Falaji Excavation. This one is hard for me to evaluate. Three green green for a sorcery at uncommon. You make three tapped Power Stone tokens and you gain three life. Is this good? I hope it is. I am all <laughs> about this card. I saw that and I was like, yep, sign me up. I want to do that. I want to cast lots of 10 tens. Yeah, I wonder if this like you this is either going to be like basically a D minus like you never want to put this in your deck or like only in the rarest of rarest occasions or it's going to feel like impossible to catch up from like your opponent on the play cast this on turn five, maybe a turn sooner if they can. I don't know how they would be able to. And you're just like, oh, no, what's about to happen? <laughs> Yeah, I think this looks like, especially with the gain three life, I would be much less excited about this card if it didn't say gain mm. three life, but that just feels like it's going to give you the little bit of time you need to really get over the hump. I, I'm excited about this card. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't think it's quite as good as Stern Lesson or Argothian Opportunist. No. At first glance, or certainly not as consistently, obviously good. I, I have a much wider range of where it could fall. Yeah, I agree. Next up, we've got Sibling Rivalry. This is three and a red for a sorcery, Active Treason variant. It says gain control of target artifact or creature until end of turn. Untap it, it gains haste until end of turn. You create a tapped Power Stone token. Interesting. I missed the 
creature or artifact. Right. And also Red Black has a sacrifice synergy, supposedly, right? So this seems like it is going to be, if that is any sort of steel and sack thing, and you want power stones in that archetype, this seems like it could be, again, just premium. I'm I'm going on a roller coaster here, but there's just really, there's no way that power stones can be as good as we think they are right now, right? I disagree, sir. It can't be, because if they are, all of these cards are broken. I think they're all very good. <laughs> uh, next up, we've got Gix's Caress, which is two and a black for a sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards that card. And yep, you guessed it. Create a tapped Power Stone token. The last time we saw this, this like set mechanic attached to this three mana discard was Toll of the Invasion from War of the Spark. Or that's maybe that's not the last time because that was a few years ago now. But that's the one that comes to my mind. And that card was fantastic. And I am... Wondering if this will be the same case. It certainly seems like it to me. This is another card I am just super hot on right now. Yeah. Because you're going to take your opponent's battle cruiser, make a power stone to ramp you towards your battle cruisers. This just seems, again, absurd. And black already supposedly, especially in black red, has reasons to want power stones and to sacrifice power stones. So things like this that let you do a card plus make another resource for free. This like just... Imagine if Power Stones <laughs> didn't tap for mana. Imagine the Power Stones didn't tap for mana. And you just got a thing called a Power Stone. There was a resource that you could use to do other things. Like other cards wanted you to have Power Stones to sacrifice, right? That is true. Mm-hmm. There are going to be things that care about Power Stones. That would already be good. Plus, they tap <laughs> for a full mana. Like, they're moxes. Ben, the pitch of Ben's voice is directly proportional to how excited he is about the magic card he's talking about. I am very excited about Power Stone tokens. <laughs> yeah, they seem sweet. The next category we're going to look at here is Unearthers. First one we have is Takasia's Onulet. It's five mana for a 4-4. Four, four. It's an artifact creature construct at common. When it leaves the battlefield, you gain two life. And it has Unearth for three and a white. This is a D. That's a D! I agree. This is a D. (laughs) Next up, we've got Heavyweight Demolisher. This is seven mana for an 8-6 construct at Uncommon. It's got Menace. At the beginning of your upkeep, tap Heavyweight Demolisher unless you pay three. The upkeep is relevant again. And it's got Unearthed for six red red. Okay, so seven mana, 8-6 Menace. This is, again, I'm like, I have no idea how to evaluate this, right? Like, so in the right deck, do you just sort of think of this as a five mana eight six? Hell yeah, you do. You assume you have like two power stones along the way. I- I'm planning to have two power stones along the way. I don't know about my opponents. And then you use those power stones for the upkeep cost, and that's totally fine. And this is then just ginormous. Right. An and there are several things minutes. where we've seen, not several, but a couple things where we've seen upkeeps like this where, yeah, you presume your power stones are going to pay for that. And then those power stones are kind of locked down. And that's fine. Yeah, because they help you avoid the upkeep of this premium 8-6 menace that you cast way ahead of schedule. Now, premium might be an overstatement. Like, this card is not, whatever, a B, but this card is going to be castable. Right. I get, but the question is, and obviously we don't know, and the thing we're speculating on is, like, by what point and how many things produce power stones, etc. But I got my eyes on that for sure. Next up is Yoshin Frontliner. This is one mana for a 1-1 artifact creature at Uncommon. It says whenever it attacks, another target creature you control gets plus one, plus one until end of turn, and it has unearth for a single white. Is this good? I don't think this is good, but I also tend I to think. underestimate aggressive the cards. Drops, I mean, yeah. but this is so slow, but it's an uncommon. I was kind of wondering about that. It seems like it should be 
a common, but I don't know. Maybe if you get a critical mass of this sort of stuff and there's enough things that care about things ETBing, it's a really cheap unearth cost. Right. That could be relevant. I could see it being playable, but for right now, I am starting pretty low on it. Okay, cool. Next up, we've got Mishra's Juggernaut. This is five mana for a 5-3 Juggernaut with Trample. It attacks each combat if able, as Juggernauts do, and then it's got Unearth for five and a red. I give it uh, an A for nostalgia and a D for quality. <laughs> I don't know about D. is a C, right? And sir, please. Attacks each combat if able. That's, it's got Unearth? That's, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe just the Trample, five and a five, three Trample, Unearth. With a power stone, it costs four. I don't know. I could see this doing some work. All right. All right. Maybe it's better than I think it is. Next up is Scrapwork Cohort. This is four mana for a 3-1 artifact creature soldier at common. When it enters the battlefield, you make a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token. And it's got unearth for two and a white. Okay. That's interesting. So you get like the two bodies for stuff that cares about creature artifacts coming into play. You get that additional 1-1 when you unearth it. I'm kind of in for this. Yeah, this is a very Ethan card. And I think this also is going to be annoying as sin to play against. I don't like this next card. What do you think about this one? Next up, we've got Reconstructed Thopter. This is three mana for a 2-1 with flying and it's got unearth two. I'm not crazy about it, but like red, white, unearth is going to want this. Yeah. Why is this an uncommon? Unearth 2 is annoying. Yeah, but it's so, so like one of the things I'm wondering about these unearth creatures that seem so understated is like for, you know, black, white or red, black or these decks that are going to get value from, you know, they don't care about beating down as much as like, hey, I just need resources on the battlefield and I can turn those resources into things. And so if I have the resource, I sacrifice it, do something with it, whatever, and then unearth it and use it again, yada, yada. But like, is red, white going to be like looting this away or something? Probably not. Right. So do you really want a three mana two one flyer up front? I don't think it's that so much. But the thing that sticks out to me is that the unearth cost is two here. And we've seen several cheap unearth costs already. So maybe there's a world where you're red, white, you know, you're putting pressure on the opponent, putting pressure on the opponent. And then like the turn you're going to kill the opponent, you finally hit your six land drop and are flooding a little bit or whatever. And then you can unearth unearth, unearth, three things and like swing out. And maybe that's enough to get you over the finish line could see it playing out like that and like you said for red and black too just unearthing this for two and then maybe you cast a spell that wants you to sacrifice something and you're, so you're getting value that way like i could see the value of it being in the cheap unearth cost yeah for sure uh, the last card here doesn't actually say unearth on it but it does if you read between the lines <laughs> this is disciples of gix for black black for a four four phyrexian human at uncommon when it enters the battlefield search your library for up to three artifact cards Put them into your graveyard, then shuffle. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited about this card. Yeah, it seems like it's certainly going to be powerful. It's a little weird that it's black and the red white is the unearth theme, but maybe it's just going to all bleed into Mardu artifact unearth soup. That's what I'm wondering slash hoping slash going to be doing anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think just like if you can do that, like it reminds me of, um, gosh, what was that card? It was in in Midnight Hunt. It was the the horse phantom carriage, the six mana four four flyer that let you bin a thing with disturb or flashback. Uh, and this just reminds me of that. Yeah, I think that card's going to be good. All right, this is my favorite category here. We got some uncommon engines and or build arounds. What's first? 
We've got a Thopter Architect, three and a white for a two, three human artificer. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, target creature gains flying until end of turn. Big question mark here, right? Like this is understated, four mana, two, three. And I think generally when we've seen these kinds of cards, they they fall into the clunky camp, I would say, rather than the like, oh no camp. But I definitely could see a world where this just like really makes it hard for your opponent to block anything on the ground. I could see that as well, especially if you're unearthing stuff on that critical turn again, jumping a few things into the air, like if that's how it plays out. But I'm starting pretty low on this four mana for a two, three in what looks to want to be an aggressive card or an aggressive archetype seems a bit understated for me. Yeah. Next up, we've got Thran Power Suit. This is two mana for an equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each aura and equipment attached to it and has ward two and it has an equip cost of two is this a build around equipment card or is this just terrible i stand by what i wrote in the show notes underneath it which is one word and it was terrible he didn't even dignify it with a capital t just didn't even have time to capitalize his word nobody has time to talk about thran power suit card is garbage (laughs) Okay. Next up, we've got Thran Vigil, one and a black for an enchantment. Whenever one or more artifacts and or creature cards leave your graveyard during your turn, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. You like this kind of card, don't you? It's very interesting. It has my curiosity peaked for sure. This is a Ben card. I feel like this folks would generally think this is like a weird, weird build around E kind of card. Ethan likes this, but I feel like you're generally the one who likes the black enchantments. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely going to be building around Thran Vigil with your Ethan Sachs 1-2 that leaves the graveyard to come back to hand, right? Oh my god, that is disgusting. Never mind. This is a build around A. (laughs) Next question, please. What do you think about this next one? Lauren, Disciple of History. Three and white for a 3-3 legendary creature, human artificer at uncommon. When it or another legendary creature enters the battlefield under your control, return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Whoa. This card's bonkers. This card's a 3-3 Gravedigger that has future upside potentially, like probably minor upside, but we've seen some uncommon legendaries. It's not going to be crazy to get two triggers out of this, depending on what else you have in your deck. This card is very good. I think so, too. Next up, we've got Mishra Excavation Prodigy, which is want-want, not as good as Urza. Two and a red for a 2-1 with haste. It has one tap, discard a card, draw a card. And whenever you discard one or more artifact cards, add red-red. This ability triggers only once each turn. Do you think this is just terrible? This is just terrible. It Not only do you, uh, the blue one loots, the red one rummages. The blue uh-huh. one makes a power stone that can continually be reused to make mana and as another resource. I don't and know. And this so- one makes <laughs> two mana on one shot and has worse stats. This card is laughably embarrassing compared to Urza. Right. So you're comparing. I, I There's no argument for me that Urza is a better card. But does that that doesn't mean that it's not just binary, right? Like this could still be a worse but still fine card. I don't like this card. It would be. It's just so hard for me to imagine them. Why would they design like it's the Brothers War? Why would they design the uncommon Mishra to be so bad? I mean, not every card can be good, right? Not every card can be good, but like it, it when you're the get the titular role, you know, you would think that you would get some good stats. I don't know. This got the same bullet point as Thran Power Suit. It got a single lowercase T terrible. Wow. Huh, unbelievable. All right. Uh, we got a couple reanimate spells as well. So maybe you do some stuff where you you rummage or you loot. I mean, maybe that's just the, the application there. You rummage or you loot away your giant uh, prototype cards and then get them back with these cards. You've got no one left behind. This is four and a black for a sorcery. It costs three less to cast if it targets a creature card with mana value three or less. 
return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So five mana, get back a big thing, or two mana to get back something with mana value three or less. Yeah, I like that card. There's also repair and recharge, three white white for a sorcery, an uncommon return target artifact, enchantment, or planeswalker card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Create a tapped power stone token. Boom. Yeah, I want to reanimate some big battle cruisers and get some power stone tokens to help me cast more. And we've definitely seen ways to loot, right? In terms of in blue, we've got the creatures, obviously, with Urza and Mishra being looters and rummagers. But we've also got like a tormenting voice variant. We've got that, you know, draw two, discard one, make a power stone in blue. So you're going to be able to set up these, you know, cards potentially on turn five. Plus, we've got the most important ingredient, which is big, bad creatures and machines to reanimate. No, for sure. And you'll have those, like we said, all the way down at common. You're going to have large monsters like that. Yeah. All right. So there's this weird cycle of like devotion to land cards. And I wonder if this is this is maybe a clue for monocolor decks or these just constructed plants. What's going on here? I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm certainly excited. It feels like you're giving up a lot in an artifact set to play a monocolored deck when it's so easy to splash or stretch your mana base if you have a lot of artifacts, but maybe it could be worth it. And certainly much like, you know, Ancestral Recall and Healing Salve, these are not all created equal. No, certainly. The white one is Lay Down Arms, which is single white for a sorcery. Exiled target creature with mana value less than or equal to the number of planes you control. Its controller gains three life. This will probably be fine and just a white X deck as well. There's flow of knowledge, which is four and a blue for an instant at uncommon draw a card for each Island you control, then discard two cards. We've got corrupt as the black one, five and a black sorcery deals damage to any target equal to the number of swamps you control. You gain life equal to damage dealt this way. That's a reprint and certainly is powerful in mono black, right? That feels like of the cycle, the one that, you know, and maybe especially if you could see like two where you would start to think, all right, I'm, pretty incentivized to try and be as mono black as possible, which, you know, coming off of Eldraine again, that doesn't mean you actually have to be you know literally mono black with 17 swamps, but even something like a, you know, give yourself an opportunity to be a 14, three or 12, five split type of deal. Yeah. The red one looking pretty powerful as well. Sardian cliff stomper. This is one in a red for an O four. As long as it's your turn, you control four more mountains. Sardian cliff stomper gets plus X plus O where X is the number of mountains you control. Whoa. So it's a two mana 04, but then by your fourth land drop, if you're mono red, it's a 4 4. It's pretty ahead of the curve. <laughs> I would say so. And then Wah Wah, the green one is Blanchwood Armor, another reprint, two and a green for an aura. Enchanted creature gets plus one plus one for each forest you control. There was there was like a time, maybe it was the Xbox game, uh, the the like the duels of the planeswalkers or whatever, um, where like just suiting up these creatures with mono green and the computer couldn't do anything about it. (laughs) Those those days are uh, are behind us, I would say. Absolutely. Next up, we've got a cycle of prototypes at common. I, at least I assume they're a cycle. We have a green and a blue right now. I'd be shocked if this were not a cycle. So right. the green one is Rust Goliath, which is 10 mana for a 10-10 Reach Trample. You better believe I'm going to be casting that with some Power Stones. And then it also has Prototype for 3GG, where it's a 3-5 Reach Trample. Okay, okay. And the blue one we have is called Depth Charge Colossus. 9 mana for a 9-9 Artifact Creature Dreadnought. Doesn't untap during your untap step, but you can pay three to untap it. And it also has a prototype cost for four blue blue as a six six. Eh, this is less exciting, I think. Definitely less exciting. The no trample part is a significant hit. Yeah, but that green one, oh my gosh. 10, 10 mana, 10, 10 reach trample at common. That feels like that's going to be a high pick. 
I am excited about that card. And Depth Charge Colossus, it's worth noting, kind of has pseudo vigilance, which is also just huge on the battlefield. Yeah, that's fair. That's a, a good way to think about it. Yeah, I just, I'm just the the no eva- evasion. I mean, obviously, a nine nine doesn't need flying or anything, but no trample. It's just I, I'm worried, especially in an artifact set where you've got you know chump fodder for days. I'm I'm worried about uh, a big clunky card like that. Yep, I hear you for sure. All right, that takes us on to removal. There's a lot of removal reprints here. First up is Disfigure, single black for an instant at common. Target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. Always interesting to see how the like, whatever, the shock variants, the deadweight variants, disfigure variants, or actually disfigure shakes out in the format. But disfigure is usually a pretty good card. Next up, we got go for the throat. It's back one on a black for an instant at uncommon destroy target non artifact creature. What are your thoughts on this kind of effect? So this was originally printed in another artifact set in Mirrodin besieged. And you know, it, it usually like could hit a lot of things, but sometimes didn't hit know the thing you needed it to hit so similar to cast down in recent sets you know this is going to be good it's going to be a b-level card you're going to pick it and you're going to put it in all your black decks that is a very unexciting take i mean it's going to be good well look you're so confident lightning strike was like fine you were like there's no way that this can't be the best common i was Mm. wrong about that but it was still very good you're never cutting it from red deck go for the throat falls in the same camp All right, all right. That's fine. That's fair. Next up, we've got Overwhelming Remorse, which is the card you alluded to earlier. This is four and a black for an instant. Exile target creature, a planeswalker. Costs one less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. This seems spicy. It's spicy. And what's interesting about this card is there are worlds where like, you know, every black deck probably wants the first copy of this. But maybe you've got a black green deck, this like graveyard deck, where your whole point is like getting this down to one mana. And that's incredible. I think there's going to be decks that can do that pretty reliably, right? We've seen a lot of ways to rummage, to discard. We've seen some self-mill. Like, I think this card has huge potential. I think so, too. I think I got my eye on that card for sure. Next up, we got Obliterating Bolt. This is one in red for a sorcery at Uncommon. It deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. If that creature or planeswalker would die this turn, exile it instead. Very relevant text in a set with Unearth. Yeah, that card's going to be premium. Next up, we've got Goblin Firebomb, which is one mana for an artifact with flash. It has seven tap, sacrifice Goblin Firebomb, destroy target permanent. Yeah, so we've definitely seen these kinds of cards before. You know, Blood Tallow Candle from Dominaria or what is it, Universal Solvent was, I think, the same stats without flash. One mana up front and then seven mana tap to destroy a permanent. This is like necessary evil territory, but or, or, or slash like, you really want to care about like a flash cheap artifact more than you care about seven mana removal, you know? Well, speaking of that, this has green white written all over it, right? So you're going to flash it in with the green white gold uncommon, get a plus one plus one counter as a combat trick. You've got those other power stones that you're supposed to care about to help you pay <laughs> oh, yeah. the seven mana, right? Like, I mean, this is still this is still not good, but I think green white is certainly where it seems like this kind of checks the boxes of the three things that the tagline for green white asked you to do. I mean, embarrassingly, I did just forget that Power Stones existed for a second. And like seven mana becomes a lot more achievable when you think of when it's closer to five mana or four mana, depending on how reliably you make Power Stones. Yeah, I still don't think this is going to be great, but certainly maybe playable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Next up, we've got Epic Confrontation. One green for a sorcery target creature you control gets plus one plus two until end of turn. It fights target creature you don't control. All right. Temporary power toughness boost. Nice that it gets plus one plus two for the fight. Yeah, this card's going to be fine. 
It's a reprint from Dragons of Tarkir. All right, here's a question for you. Is blowing up a power stone going to be worth it with a card raised to the ground? Two and a red for a sorcery. It can't be countered. Destroy target artifact. If its mana value is one or less, draw a card. I mean, I think that would be the fail case to use in a pinch, but you are certainly hoping to blow up some sort of giant battle cruiser prototype with raised to the ground rather than a power stone. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I think it's not going to be a question of is this main deckable? This is obviously main deckable. I think the question will be how many of these do you want a main deck in your red decks? Right. And if you have nothing else to do, are you going to blow up your opponent's power stone? Probably if you have nothing else to do. Yeah, because then you draw a card. Right. Next up, we've got Pyric Blast. This is three and a red for an instant. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature. Pyric Blast deals damage to the sacrificed creature's power to any target. Draw a card. Woof. Any target? So Ben's just casting his giant 10-10. He attacks with it once, and then he sends it at my face and wins. I mean, that's certainly what Red Green says, right? I mean, this is also going to be sweet with unearth stuff, potentially, if there's like cheap unearth cost for a big unearth creature and you've got some power stones to help you manage the unearth cost to like hit enough mana to be able to do this and unearth the thing. I I think this card has some serious potential. Next removal spell is Power Stone Fracture, one in a black for a sorcery at common as an additional cost to cast it, sack an artifact or creature to destroy target creature or planeswalker. Bone Splinters is back, baby. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be good, especially the fact that you can throw away Power Stone Power Stone, yeah. I mean, it's in the name of the card, but I think that is a thing worth doing for a two-mana removal spell. It'll be interesting to see how Power Stone Fracture stacks up against the the 4B Exile something at instant for the number, and it costs one last for the number of creatures in your graveyard. The Overwhelming Remorse, is that the name of it? Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's the name. That's a lot of black removal, too, that's already been shown. Disfigure, Go for the Throat, Remorse, and Fracture, and Go for the Throat's uncommon, but the other three are commons. Yeah. All right, that takes us on to everybody's favorite segment. We've got Great or Garbage. Well, in in honor of us recording on Halloween, should it be Trick or Treat today? I think it should be Trick or Treat, except I don't know what happened. Either I am whatever the Grinch equivalent is of Halloween, or Halloween has expanded beyond my wildest knowledge. I thought Halloween was like a two-hour deal, like you go, you trick or treat, you're done. People were treating this like it was a national treasure of a holiday today. <laughs> uh, bah humbug. What's the yeah? What's the bah humbug equivalent? Boo humbug. Um, all right. First card we got here to chat about is the Fall of Krug. Four red red for an uncommon sorcery. Choose target opponent. Destroy target land that player controls. The Fall of Krug deals three damage to that player and one damage to each creature they control. What? What is this card? I mean, I mean it's, it's garbage, but who is this for? Uh, Amy the Amazonian, apparently. She was <laughs> talking about on Twitter how she was going to be causing Krug to fall so many times. <laughs> okay, great. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, I kept like, re- I was like, okay, this this is not exciting. But then certainly it'll, nope, that's not exciting. But then I'm sure the next, nope, that's not it either. Like, none of this, nothing that this card does is interesting to me. Yeah, I am not particularly interested in the fall of Krug, but speaking of blowing up lands, I had a blast practicing some Dominaria Sealed for the Arena Open Mm. and haphazard bombarding my opponent's lands out of the game, which was super fun. If you didn't know, there's an Arena Open coming up this coming weekend that is uh, OG Dominaria Sealed. Yeah, both day one and day two, right? That is my understanding from the Magic Arena website. As to the rhyme or reason of why that's happening, I'm not sure, but I will be doing my best to participate. Indeed. All right. Next up, we've got an oldie, but a goodie. We've got giant growth, single green for an instant. Target creature gets plus three, plus three until end of turn. It's interesting thinking about this card. Like, is this good? 
I think this card's good. The reason I say interesting is coming off the heels of DMU and Gaia's Might of just thinking like, okay, you know, it's obviously not exciting in two color decks and you really want to work hard to make it like Lava Axe and this obviously being always somewhere in the middle. Does that just make it always mediocre? Does that average out? I don't know. And like what decks are going to want this? So I think War of the Spark was the last time we saw this and it was quite bad there. Maybe just more because like, you know, green wasn't very aggressive, etc. I don't know. I'm I'm a little skeptical, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. We can we can land on great here. I'm going to land on great tentatively. OK, cats out of the bag here with this next one. Clay Revenant. One mana for a 1-2 Golem at common. It enters the battlefield tapped, and you can pay two and a black to return Clay Revenant from your graveyard to your hand. Ben pegged this, tweeted this out, and is this the most Ethan Sachs card of the format? I have to say yes. I think it is. Now, the question is, is it great or garbage? I think it's great. I also think it's great, but here's the thing about a true Ethan Sachs card. It can't be great. No. <laughs> it has to be garbage. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say. I was going to say, it's great, but you have to do work. To make yes. it great. That's that's the mark of an Ethan Sachs card. And I think that's what you have to do here. Like, and, and you know, someone pointed out on Twitter, like, oh, enters the battlefield tapped is kind of a, a knock against this in a way, but like I'm almost not really interested in this existing on the battlefield that much. Like I'm interested in loot like just a f- turning my looters into draw a card for three mana or whatever, you know? Right. And the, well, and you know what the extra awesome thing about this is what? is you're gonna have power stones laying around. So this is essentially gonna be black. Right? Yeah. It's going to be black, do the thing. Like, if you make oh enough my power God. stones. Oh, this which is seems so good. Broken, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I think there's a world where you can make this card great, like, actually non sarcastically great. I think so too. I'm excited about this card. I saw, I hadn't seen it before you tweeted at me about it, and I read it and I was like, yep. <laughs> the man knows me. Next up, we've got Combat Thresher. This is seven mana for a 3 3 double strike. And when ETBs draw a card, it's an uncommon. It's also Whoa. got prototype for two and a white for a one-one double strike draw a card. Uh, this is just great. This card is insane. Not to mention that there are lots of ways to put counters on this. I think oh, this man. card looks absolutely absurd. Well, this also just doesn't. Again, it just doesn't seem that hard to imagine this. Just I'm just basically thinking about every. Except for like, you know, the, the really expensive ones. But the, you know, the seven mana prototype cards, just think about them like they're five mana. A five mana, three, three double strike ETB's draw card? What? Yeah. I, well, the thing that we need to see the rest of the spoiler for is how many cards are going to make Power Stone tokens and how high a picks are they going to be? Because like in the early days, if you can just make Power Stones easier than you should be able to because people don't understand how broken they are, cards that are expensive are just going to be off the charts good but i mean this is good regardless this is just a premium card right i mean a premium certainly in in any white deck you just like any white drafter wants this this might even be a reason to draft white and then beyond that it's great right the other thing that we haven't seen yet that i'm very curious about is any sort of fixing right well that's the thing i as i was thinking about ooh, what if like you know a prophetic prism exists but prophetic prism can't exist right because that just turns your power stones into Birds of Paradise. Right. That seems like it would be a little too broken. Like that would be too broken. Yes. Yeah. So, but but what kind of fixing are we going to see for sure? I, I don't know yet, Um, but certainly we, we will in an artifact set. I mean, but they made Power Stone tokens already, which seem pretty broken to me. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Next up, we've got Steel and Oil Dreams. I think it's actually maybe Dreams of Steel and Oil, but this is in another language. This is black for a sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand choose up to one artifact or creature card from it, then choose an artifact or creature card from their graveyard, 
exile the chosen cards. This is so cheap and targets the things that matter in limited of artifact or creature and can maybe be like a one and a half for one if it's nabbing an unearth piece, if it's nabbing, you know, an engine piece, if you're doing some sort of shenanigans with that last card we were talking about. Like, I- I'm kind of tentatively on great here. Hey, that's neither. This seems like it could be playable. It is not great. Certainly. You cannot say <laughs> neither. The segment, there are rules in this segment. It's All right, I'm called declar- great or garbage. I'm declaring garbage or trick. Fine. I'm declaring trick. <laughs> Fine. Next up, we've got Audacity. Single green for an aura. Enchanted creature gets plus two plus oh and has trample. And whenever Audacity is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, draw a card. I mean, the comparison everyone is going to make is to Rancor. This right. card is not Rancor. No, it's not Rancor. Rancor was, you know, had was single green plus two plus oh and trample. And when it went to the graveyard, it went back to your hand. That was busted. I am a little curious about this card i mean obviously this has constructed implications for like boggles style decks but i don't know i'm, I'm curious about this for limited where do you land greater garbage <sighs> curious is not an option curious is not an op- that's fair it's fair he, he's not he's not wrong um I'm, i'll go great i'm gonna go great on audacity i'm gonna go garbage as like a hipster because i think everybody's gonna be hot and bothered about this card and I hope that it is not as good as people think. And then I can say I'm right. Plus two plus O and trample is it's a lot. It's a pretty it's a good lot. card. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll join you on great. Wow. Twist his arm. Next up, we've got forging the anchor. This is two and a blue for a sorcery. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal any number of artifact cards from among them and put the reveal cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. What are your thoughts on this card? I put it in here because I wanted to discuss it with you. I think there's a world, again, where you can build your deck to where this is very powerful. It's going to be hard to have enough artifacts to where this is consistently good. Because like, like we've seen variants like this in green, right? There's like the three, I forget what they're called, but they're like three mana, look at the top five, all the creature cards you can put in your hand. And that card is just never good. And your deck, you can make your limited deck be like 18 creatures, almost. you know, like, uh, can you really make your limited deck be 18 artifacts? Maybe sometimes, but even then, I don't think forging the anchor is that good. This is why I put this card here, because I'm like just naturally attracted to this type of card. <laughs> And you needed someone to talk you off the ledge. Yes, because I knew it wasn't good, but I just needed to have this conversation with you. All right, I'm joining. uh, I assume you are garbage and I am joining you there. Uh, Next up, we have Ashnod's Intervention, single black for an instant. Until end of turn, target creature gets plus two plus oh and gains. When this creature dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, return it to its owner's hand. Whoa, okay. I did not read this in its entirety. I read until I read or put into exile from the battlefield and was like, oh, that's a cool like play on, you know, for on Earth and for that black removal spell. But I didn't read that it goes back to your hand. Right. That makes it significantly less good. Significantly worse. I think this is garbage. That's what I think, too. It seemed like there was some some spice emoticons in the Lords of Limited Discord on this card. And I, I don't see the spice here. Having to recast the card is a lot of mana. Because one of the benefits of a single mana trick like this is that you win the combat. And then like usually the thing comes back to the battlefield tapped, which saves you from spending like three or four or five mana to recast your creature. This does not afford you that discount on mana. Right. And you can't. Well, maybe it has to go back to the maybe it has to go back to your hand so that you can't cheat on the prototypes. Can't like cast a cheap one. 
Ooh, and then do this and then sense. it comes back like yeah, kind that of. makes sense <laughs> so it makes sense but i think that makes astronauts intervention a garbage for me if they caught that also seems unlikely they're going to put a blink effect in the format <laughs> that's what i think too next up we've got survivor of corliss this is white for a 1-1 human soldier with first strike and you can pay one and a white exile this from your graveyard to scry two tundra wolves with upside this this can't be good right is it I don't know. I kind of am excited about this card. This is another thing that wears counters very well from the green, white. In the green, uncommon. white, put counters and, and do other things well. Yeah. And then <laughs> it's like uh, the school Derek, for yes, yes, exactly. Derek Zoolander. <laughs> the school for kids who can't read and do other stuff good or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but this also fits the bill of white, black, like three mana value or less does more than meets the eye it's a soldier for blue white it seems like it's at the intersection of potentially a lot of white decks that could care about it i don't know like this is another one that i want to say like fine on i i'm loath to say this is great but i also don't think it's garbage i'm just not buying like the counter stuff really and first strike is annoying but it's not i don't know it's not evasive like trample or light flink or flying are all things that I would much rather put counters on than first strike. Yeah, I want this card to be good. I, I guess I will go garbage for now, but I've got my eye on Survivor of Corliss. Noted. And I think, you know, the 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 aggro players of the world will discover quite quickly for us if this is good or not. Yep. And I would like to make a formal pitch that we call green white Zoolander for this format. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. Let's do it. Uh, next up, we got Suchi Cave Guard. This is eight mana for a construct at Uncommon. It's an 8-8 eight, eight with Vigilance. It has Ward 4. And when it dies, you add eight colorless. Until end of turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. I'm kind of in love with this card. Is it just because it's a throwback? So this is the throwback to just, it's just straight up like Suchi, I think. It's a four mana, four, four. And then when it died, you added four mana. But the thing was, that was like a downside because mana burn existed. <laughs> yeah, I am now with all the Power Stone talk, when I look at this and I think in a dedicated deck, this could be six mana, maybe five mana, eight, eight vigilance, ward four. When it dies, cast a big dumb thing. Right. That's why I put this here, because I think like it's important to look at this in the lens of there are going to be Power Stones floating around. And if there are. This is much closer to six mana, eight, eight vigilance ward four. And then when it dies, make all the mana, which is very good. And like, yes, it doesn't have evasion, but vigilance is so good and limited too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And some of that's going to depend on like, is there a small death toucher? Hopefully not, because that would be kind of lame with all these sweet giant monsters running around. But we'll have to see. Yeah, I'll, I'll go great for the cave guard. I'm also going great. All right, bring us home. What's the last card here? We've got Gaia's Gift. One on a green for an instant. Put a plus and plus one counter on target creature you control. It gains a reach, trample, hexproof, and I thought this was ore. Wow, that's so much. Derek <laughs> Zoolander's cool for children. <laughs> <laughs> reach good and do other things good too. It gets indestructible also. Wow. So you thought this was great when you thought it was ore? Yeah. And now I'm even more excited about it. Two mana is certainly way more than one mana for these sort of like, you know, plus one, plus one and hexproof tricks. But getting all of these things wrapped up into one little package, that is a gift. It's a lot of things. Yeah, I'll go great for Gaia's Gift. I'm going to tentatively go great on Gaia's Gift as well. All right. I'm so excited, buddy. This set looks so fun. The set looks sweet. Yes, there's definitely a lot going on. And again, we're missing huge pieces of the puzzle, but sure. 
if Power Stones, if I'm even like too high on Power <laughs> Stones and they're like two thirds of as good as I think they are, this is going to be a sweet format. And a lot different than DMU, like different but good, I think. Yes, it also looks like it has the makings of that as well, like lots of deep things that you can do, lots of overlap, lots of synergy, lots of cards that are going to ask you to do things to make them good rather than just being generically good. And very cool, too, that it allows them to make a lot of sweet, flashy, expensive cards mm-hmm. that are going to be attainably castable. Like what? Which is that uh, Timmy Power Gamer? Is that is that the the spike psychographic? Yeah, yep. Timmy, Timmy, Tammy. Timmy, Tammy just loves big, dumb creatures. I'm all about that. And it's cool that we get them at common as well. Yes. And certainly the, the green 1010 trample seems like it's going to be a thing. I agree. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I am jazzed about this format. We're going to have to see when we get the full spoiler next week. I am also very psyched, too, that they're doing the paper pre-release ahead of the digital release. I, that makes things less convenient for you and I as content creators. But I think just in general for Magic, that is the way that it should be. And I am very happy about it. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think I personally don't like it, but that's just because I don't get to play as much as I would. But I think it is cool that like you know, when we come to the first episode of having our hands on the cards in two weeks, we'll have played with the cards as much as our listeners rather than like five times as much as our <laughs> listeners, you know? And I think that's right. a fun fun place to start. Right. And it allows it for it to be a much more collaborative process. Like the last time we did this, I got to go to a pre-release with my brothers and we all hung out and tested. And I can't even go to the pre-release this time around, but it also seems like they're doing something new where you're going to be able to buy product at the pre-release. Oh, so interesting. So I read that right online. So hopefully we're going to buy some booster boxes and then just jam games after the pre-release because I have banned on the weekend of the pre-release. Sweet. So yeah, looking forward to all that. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to TCG Player for sponsoring this podcast. If you want to support us via TCG Player, go to lordsoflimited.com slash TCG Player. Use that link for any and all purchases, signing up for a TCG Player subscription to read our articles at the start of this format. Um, For any and all purchases that you're doing over there, we would greatly appreciate it. And you can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. which I don't quite know what that's going to look like for the boosters on like Arena or MTGO. Did they say already? Uh, Every draft booster includes a retro or schematic artifact, right? Amazing. That's what it says right here. So there's just, I I was teeing you up. I can read. Oh, 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 sorry. (laughs) 
I thought you were like legitimately I was like, well, wow, really? I put this right here for you. 